Welcome in. It's Follow the Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Backup still in. We're here for the entire week. John Von Tobel, Matt Humans filling in for Mitch and Paul, who will be back on Monday. We think. We yeah, we think. I mean, Mitch is off on a, a grand vacation. Paul, I don't know what he's doing. I haven't gotten any emails with his name in the subject that have like one word commands from Paul Howard. So I don't know where he's at or how he's been doing. But I assume he's having the time of his life. I think he's probably drinking a lot of Coke. Um Going to Burger King loves quite a bit. Yeah, is he a Burger Things King like guy? That. Oh, he loves Burger King. I knew he was yeah. a Coke guy back in the the South Point studio. The the little fridge that we had in the corner was <laughs> absolutely stocked up with Coca Cola. A good show on tap today, though. We have a lot of golf. Wells Fargo Championship coming up. So of course uh, we were going to preview that. Jeff Seeley, golf handicapper, is going to be with us coming up in about an hour. Aaron Rinning, VSIN contributor, at ER Sports One, will join us too as you get his thoughts on the association. I will tease this, Matt Humans. There is one team that has been eliminated that I can't get enough of betting regularly until the regular season ends. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, Stephen Hennessy at the bottom of the final hour as well as we continue to look toward the Wells Fargo Championship, which tees off tomorrow. But we start in the association because we do have some pretty big news here with the Los Angeles Lakers who are in danger of falling into the play-in seeds. Remember, 7 through 10, they all compete. 7 plays 8, winner moves on to the 7th seed. Winner of that takes on the loser. Excuse me, the loser of that takes on the winner of the 9-10 matchup. Well, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be without LeBron James for a couple more games. Adrian Wojnarowski tweets this out yesterday about humans. Lakers star LeBron James is expected to miss back-to-back games Thursday and Friday to rest his right ankle. James will proceed cautiously with the ankle injury as the playoffs approach. Key here is that the Thursday game is against the Los Angeles Clippers. And even more key, the Friday game is against the Portland Trailblazers, who are tied with them in that jumble between them, Dallas, mm-hmm. and Portland for that first play-in seed. So that's a massive game that not only will LeBron James miss, but remember, Dennis Schroeder in medical protocols, so he's not going to be on the floor either. The solo Anthony Davis team that many thought was actually better, well, you get your <laughs> shot in two high-leverage spots yeah. here over the next couple of days. That, that's just an absurd theory, by the way. You, <laughs> you, you, you want to throw that out there one more time? Uh, well, there was a, there was a conversation uh, on social media. Many people uh, thought that, when Anthony Davis went down and LeBron James was leading this team by himself, again, Dennis Schroeder wasn't playing. We've got to right. remember that. Um, and they went 1-5 and five over a six-game stretch. That Anthony Davis by himself with that team would have been better. And actually, Anthony Davis was the MVP of that team as opposed to LeBron James. It completely ignored the fact that Schroeder wasn't on the floor. It also ignored like every single number that you had in your face over the last yeah. season and a half. But I think we've learned the lesson by now. Well, it's absurd. I, I did hear one guy, V. Sin, floating that theory at the time, too. And uh, you and I both thought it was ridiculous, and uh, it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So Adrian Wojnarowski reported this last night. We talked about it on yesterday's show. No surprise that LeBron's not going to play against the Clips, but we thought he would probably come back Friday against Portland. You look at the Mavericks, Lakers, and Blazers uh, and how tight they are in the standings. You think LeBron's going to rest? He's going to come back for the more important game Friday against Portland? Uh, but he's even going to play more cautious than that. And uh, rest for the play-in tournament, yep. right? <laughs> Got to get ready to go. As much as he hates to play-in tournament, I'm not going to be surprised at this point if the Lakers are in it, and I don't think you are either because you look at the Lakers' schedule down the stretch, they're going to have a tough time winning games here for the next week. It is. All right, we all come back. It's Follow the Money here at VC. We've got an all-timer on the other side. This is Brent Musburger, and here is your VSIN action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. Indiana Pacers are 11 and 19 at home. They're assured of a losing record of their home four for the first time in 31 years. They're actually four games above 500 on the road at 19 and 15. 
Indiana playing six at Bankers Life Fieldhouse today against Sacramento. Kings playing for their fourth straight win, 239 and a half the total. Nashville Predators can clinch the fourth playoff spot in the Central Division with a win and a Dallas loss. Predators laying $1.70 at Columbus today, plus $150, 5 over the nationwide arena. Dallas $1.40 dog at Tampa Bay. Lightning laying $1.60, 5.5 under the total. VSIN gives you the tools to increase your sports betting IQ and make the most of every bet, including our 24-7 video coverage, odds and analysis for every game, our daily members-only best bets email, and in-depth coverage each week in Point Spread Weekly. Now's the time to sign up for your 10-day free trial, vcin.com slash subscribe. With your action update, I'm Mike Senna. Get the latest vcin odds at vsin.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about. It's time to follow the money with your hosts, Mitch Moss and Polly Howard. You know that our VEASAN experts are covering every sport on the board this spring to find the best bets every day, and now is a great time to invest in your long-term betting success. We provide all the tools you need to make the most informed bet every time, even if that means telling you when not making a bet is your best option. Our 24-7 video coverage, data, and analysis on VEASAN.com, daily members-only best bet emails, and in-depth coverage of every major event in Point Spread Weekly is designed to improve your sports betting success year-round so your bankroll lasts longer and you can increase your sports betting IQ. Learn from our experience, put our team to work for you today with our VEASAN 10-day free trial at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Follow the money here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Jonathan Von Tobel, Matt Eumanns, filling in for Mitch and Paul today, tomorrow, and on Friday. Guys will be back on Monday in their usual spots. We had an all-timer yesterday, according to some Matt Eumanns, in the association. An all-time bad beat? Yeah, all-time bad beat. Where, what happens at overtime with underdogs? You've taught me this well. Overtime is where dogs go to die, JVT. Been saying that for many, many years, and uh, it gets proven time and time again. Well, this dog got slaughtered. The Phoenix Suns <laughs> and the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. How about this? A game that goes to overtime between these two clubs. Really fun game. High-paced affair, back and forth the entire time. At the end of regulation, it is 114-114. to 114. Bad news. <laughs> Bad news for dog betters. Cleveland Cavaliers closes a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. This is actually a game, remember, open 13. Talked mm-hmm. about it. Eh, probably going to head toward the Cavaliers' direction, and it did by half point. But once you get to overtime, first three possessions for the Cleveland Cavaliers, turnover, transition bucket for Phoenix. Turnover, transition bucket for Phoenix. Turnover, mm-hmm. transition bucket for Phoenix, which ultimately leads to a 20-4 to overtime period. And the Cleveland Cavaliers, as 12-and-a-half-point favorites, or excuse me, underdogs, in overtime, do not cover against the Phoenix Suns last night. Yeah, I mean, that's a bad beat, no question about it. But it's not an all-timer. And Doug Kazarian from ESPN should know better than that. He he tweeted last night, Cavs plus 12.5 oh, is an all-time ATS loss. Yeah, it's bad. That's the second time I've seen Doug tweet something like that in the last two weeks about an NBA game. How many all-time bad beats can you have in one month? Yeah. What was the last one? Do you remember? No, it was just another NBA game that had a, a crazy <laughs> so ending. So a basketball like game. I, I just yeah. said that the NBA game itself is so volatile with uh, you know runs like that. You can't tell me that if you bet the Cavs, I don't care if you got 12 and a half, 13, when the game goes to overtime last night, you're nervous, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know there's a chance you're going to lose that bet. Uh, and you, you also know that I say many times, don't ask bad teams to do good things for you. 
Bad teams find ways not to cover. Yes. And uh, last time when this game went to OT, I wasn't surprised that the Cavs fell apart. Hey, it, it's a Cavs team that's lost seven straight games, mm-hmm. John. So uh, you can't be surprised when a bad team falls apart like that in overtime. Yes, it's a bad beat. Let's not put it in the all-timer uh, class. If you've been around doing this for a long time, you, you, you see beats like this every week. But uh, I think they just get highlighted a little bit more now in the age of social media and the fact that sports betting is uh, discussed so openly on uh, mainstream media, right? So yep. every every bad beat every night seems like, oh, this is one of the worst of all time. I've never seen anything quite like never it. Never going to recover <laughs> from this financially. <laughs> Until next week when you see an NBA beat just as bad. Uh, but hey, man, that that does really sting if uh, you took the points with the Cavs last night. And uh, well, well, I think what Jimmy Vaccaro says when you when you take a bad beat like that, he would drink some milk and go to bed. <laughs> really? Try to forget about it. drink some, some milk, milk, go to sleep, and then just wake up the next day and it's a new day. That's not necessarily the same approach I would take to a bad beat. You might substitute uh, whiskey for milk. Yes, and. Uh, Deal with it that way, but uh, yeah, that was a tough one last night for Cavs betters. Uh, I was going back to, and I, I need to find the details on this, but one of the beats that came to mind in terms of all time that I think was a little worse than this, uh, that Hornets-Kings game, remember that, a 127-126 game where the Sacramento Kings had a, a very late lead in the final minutes of that contest. I think they were up by eight or so in the final 353, but it got even worse than that in the final 60 seconds. I think that was the one that was referred to as the all-timer. Oh, really? So yeah. this uh, that was an eight-point lead with mm-hmm. 113 left to go. They ended up missing, I think, six of seven free throws, and there was a fouled three-point attempt near the end of the game. That was the game. That was a game we talked about. <laughs> it was a couple weeks ago, right? No, this one was actually February 28th. How time flies. Time melts away, my friend. There's an all-time bad beat every week. Every single NBA. week. It's the association. I, I love the league, but, uh, hey, it's all part of it. So Cavaliers go down. Not insanely surprising. And you saw kind of the writing on the wall when they were turning the ball over left and right near the end of that game. So it was absolutely brutal. We should note, too, uh, we threw it up. This was history, right? Suns, 12.5-point favorites at William Hill, U.S., covered the spread in overtime. First team to cover double-digit favorite in a game that went to overtime in the last 30 seasons. That includes the postseason. That's courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. So. Well, I guess you would use that and argue that, hey, it is an all-time bad beat. But, Technically. Uh, I've had a lot of bad beats like that in college basketball where you catch around 8, 9, 7, 8, 9, 10 points, and you lose in overtime. It happens. You have to deal with it. That's right. Move on. Don't even tweet about it. Just... Take it. Take it like a man. Well, you can tweet about it. Okay. That's well, what Twitter's for, right? It, it wasn't just the NBA, too, by the way. I don't think these were all timers, but we did have some betters who took it on the chin last night if you were in certain situations in Major League Baseball. Well, you're going to have bad bad beats in uh, baseball That's, on a regular basis as well. That's which, just part, part of the game. I saw some guys I know whining about bad beats on in baseball the past couple nights, too. It's just... It's going to happen almost on a nightly basis. Which is why I love, like, that we have this discussion about the NBA, right? It's like, you can't stand it. The volatility <laughs> is ridiculous. I'm like, and, and then there are people who regularly bet baseball. I'm like, have you watched one Major League bull, bullpen go out there and handle a game? Right? We have no. we have these issues consistently in Major League Baseball. We had a couple last you night. You take bad beats in every sport. Of course. Of I mean, course. I lost a 40 to 1 golf bet to open the 2021 in Hawaii when Joaquin Neiman missed an eight foot putt to win a tournament. 40 to 1 odds. How many times are you going to make that eight-foot putt? I still... 18 out of 20, 9 out of 10? My favorite is still Wes Reynolds' uh, random golfer at like 256 to 1 at a a random time at the beginning of the year. I was watching. That was one of the worst golf beats I've ever seen. It was an all-timer. That was an all-timer. Wes had Colin Shanklin in a tournament over somewhere in Europe, and he's like 
300 to 1. The guy's got the lead coming down. He hits his approach on the 72nd hole. All he has to do is par the hole. And the uh, the ball takes a, a weird bounce off the left side of the green and rolls into the bunker. And the guy bogeys, goes to a playoff, and loses. <laughs> I mean, it's just that was just such a, a tough, tough beat for Wes. That's one of those that I still remember like three years later. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, in the name, Colin Shankwin. Yeah. That's absolutely great. First, I said, how in the heck did Wes even find this guy, right. Colin Shankwin, at 300 to 1? And then he suffers that bad beat. So we had three that I think are worth noting in Major League Baseball last night. First off, uh, the one that I think made a lot of headlines, Colorado-San Francisco had a doubleheader, the late-night doubleheader between these two. Uh, the Giants go into the final frame. Remember, doubleheader, so it was the seventh frame here. Uh, but the Giants go in with a 6-2 to two lead over the Colorado Rockies. Rockies, in that final frame, humans played six runs oh. to end up winning this game. Eight to six. They were plus one thirty-seven on the pre-flop money line. Uh, of course, it ends with a Charlie Blackman walk-off three-run shot. But this was absolutely ridiculous. And again, you talk about teams and you talk about the volatility of bullpens. San Francisco, after a solid outing for their pitching staff, giving up only two runs through six innings, cannot keep it together and end up losing this thing by two. It drives you crazy sometimes as a baseball better. You think, well, I should just play first fives uh, because you want to take the randomness of, of the bullpens out of the equation. Yep. And then sometimes you will bet a first five and lose it when you would have won if you bet the entire game. And then uh, you question your entire baseball betting strategy. But I think you're probably better off playing first fives or splitting your unit, playing half first five, half the game. Because bullpens are so random, you just don't know what's going to By the way, if you went to Coors Field and uh, paid for a ticket and watched a doubleheader yesterday, you got your money's worth. Yeah, The Giants scored 10 runs in the first inning of the first game. And then that wild finish to uh, to the second game. That was a pretty crazy doubleheader in Denver. Yeah, these bullpens, too. I mean, to your point as well, how about a guy like, and this isn't on the list, but really quickly, like Alex Cobb yesterday. You and I were talking about it. Cobb was a guy who numbers dictated. He was due for a really solid bounce back. He actually goes five innings, doesn't give, doesn't get charged with an earned run, still takes the loss, and then the Angels end up losing 8-2. to two. <laughs> Or 8-3, to three, excuse eight me. 8-3. Okay, yep. At madness in terms of some of these bullpens. But Colorado, San Francisco. So if you ended up for some reason going, let's say, like plus one and a half uh, at San Francisco, uh, that one kind of blew up in your face. So how about when you look at, for example, the Texas Minnesota matchup between these two? Rangers combined to score five runs in the ninth and the tenth innings to beat Minnesota. Not just the comeback here. This one closed the total at eight and a half. Your final six to three between these two in the final two frames, five runs. For the Texas Rangers. Yeah, that's that's a bad beat. It's not an all-timer. No. But it's a bad beat, and uh, that's the type of stuff that drives you crazy as a baseball better as well. Is the uh, the whiskey and the revolver thing, right? That's it. Uh, that's Nick Bogdanovich. One of the, you got a bad baseball, you need whiskey and a revolver. One of the key phrases. I think you can buy that shirt in the VEASAN store. I think you can. VEASAN.com slash store. Check it out. Uh, and then last but not least, this isn't so much a beat. I thought this was pretty interesting because it was one of the games we talked about, right? Chicago and Cincinnati yesterday. Uh, a game uh, that ended up, you know, nine was pretty much everywhere. Uh, to if over. you tell me before the game the White Sox are going to score nine, You're good. you bet everything you have on it. Right. Everything. You're going to empty your bank account. Kids, college fund. Uh, yeah, you're putting everything, and you're going to walk away with a push. That's right. <laughs> and it closed. You see the closing number, too. It ended up closing nine and a half. Ooh. But if you, better get the nine. Right. Then. Early yeah. in the morning, it was nine. It was something we talked about. Yeah. And, of course, nine to nothing. The Cincinnati Reds cannot give you a single run to push this thing over. And By the way, the White Sox yeah. went into the game on a 13-inning scoreless streak. Yep. And uh, they put up nine, and the Reds get shut out by Dylan Cease, right? Yep. No, Dylan Cease was uh, pretty solid, man. 
Uh, let's see. He was one of our sell-high pitchers yesterday. Cease, let's give you the box score. I think I was right on with this. Six innings pitched, one hit, 11 strikeouts, three walks. Cease was fantastic. And you know what, humans? I've learned my lesson. I'm betting against him again next time he starts. I'm, I'm sure you will. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, you got to be true to some of the numbers. you got to stick by your guns. And when you see something, humans, you got to go against it. Although, that works against you a lot. One of my favorite examples, you and I have talked about it many times, Remember like three or four years ago where the market and the Sharps kept betting against John Lester? Every his game. Num- his, Every his game. numbers were awful. Like if you looked at his analytics, he was due to just melt yep. down. And I think they had won 13 straight starts, and every single one of those Lester starts, Money the market against. would move up against yeah. him. And every time the Cubs won. I was going to say, I thought the Cubs won somewhere around 10 times in a row. Yeah. And every time the money came against uh, Lester, and then finally – it did turn around. It, if, if you had the patience to stick with it for about 15 games, I think Lester did kind of finally uh, blow up and uh, regress. Going to be stubborn. Sometimes the numbers tell you something that doesn't really play out. All right, we have two games to get to in Major League Baseball. Uh, definitely worth previewing. How about the New York Yankees? We touch on last night, and then we go into today. Yankees, of course, uh, the bats are starting to wake up here, and they end up beating up on Granke and the Astros last night. They get a big win to move up to 15 and 14. And now Jordan Montgomery will oppose Luis Garcia. Yankees right now $1.35 favorite with a total of nine as they continue their series with the Houston Astros. Fun atmosphere yesterday, too. Yankees fans let the Astros have it. First time they got their crack at the Astros since the whole cheating scandal. And the Yankees, slowly but surely, humans kind of busting out of the slump. Giancarlo Stanton had a bomb yesterday. This lineup looks more potent every day. Yeah, when Stanton hits a home run, it's usually a majestic drive, right? It's he's kind of like the right-handed Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Otani hits those sky-high bombs to center field. You just love to watch him, right? Oh, the sound and, of that. And when Stanton hits a homer, it's almost like he's launching a rocket. And uh, that was that was the case last night. He hit a bomb. Okay, JBT, I'm a Yankees fan. Let's let's move past the cheating scandal. Can we just? Get on with our lives and stop. What? What? We have, uh, no, 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 no. We can't move on this year. We move on after this year. There were no fans of the stands last year. I you got to get your it. crack at us. Let's just move on. I do, here's the thing. Yeah, the Astros were just trying to find an edge. Well, they found one. Huh? Oh, they found I one. I know, but <laughs> they, were, they were just trying to find an edge. It paid off, and they won a championship. You can't tell me. And I've, I've, I've made this argument uh, many times. There are a lot of teams that have won college football, college basketball, national championships by cheating. Mm -hmm. They've won conference championships, national championships by cheating. You think the Patriots always played by the rules? Mm -hmm. No. Of course not. We know. Astros aren't the first team to try to cut corners and gain an edge by cheating. Let's just move on. Cheating happens all the time in every sport. Every sport. Okay. The difference, though, is the Astros were okay. so indignant, like, <laughs> afterward, okay? <laughs> they were so, like, you know what I mean? Like, almost trying to play the victim afterwards. Like, screw you no, guys. No, they're not the victims. They didn't even get punished for it. Get out of here. I'm, 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 just ready to move, I'm just ready to move on. Let's play baseball. Hey, they, Sometimes you have to give the opponent credit for cheating and winning yeah. and getting away with it. Very true, and they did. How many Super Bowls has Bill Belichick won? Uh, many. And I think many of them were from cheating, but you know that's a conversation for another day. Deflated balls and 
recording opponents during practice. Right, seriously, how many college football, basketball, national champions oh, do you think there have been that got there by cheating? Is there one in the last few years? <laughs> <laughs> I think that you could count the ones that aren't fewer. Uh, all right, hey, really quickly on this, because we're going to get back to this game a little bit later, because Luis Garcia is on our uh, buy low, sell high list of all pitchers. All right. Yeah. Uh, but it is worth noting as we look at this, the uh, the Yankees did open up in some spots as low as a dollar twenty eight humans. Now we're upwards of a dollar forty in a lot of the spots, and maybe the market moving and seeing some of the stuff that I saw with Luis Garcia and some mm-hmm. of the numbers. Uh, but also, I think you know we've reached a point. We talk about this all the time, right? Where you know teams get on little low streaks. We talked about the other day, for example, and the game got postponed. In that Clayton Kershaw start on uh, Monday when he was supposed to start, that game opened up a dollar sixty, got as high as a dollar eighty. So the opening prices on these teams that are kind of scuffling and good teams have opened a little low, and maybe you see that again here where the Yankees open up under a dollar thirty, and now you're up to minus one forty. I understand the move too. The, yeah. I mean, the Yankees are ten and four since April twentieth. They did beat up on the Tigers, and uh, maybe the record's not as impressive as uh, ten and four over fourteen games might normally seem. But the Yankees are on a little bit of a roll. I think they got their confidence back, right? And that's a big part of baseball too. Uh, when when a team's confident and rolling and the hitting is contagious and the Yankees have that going for them. But when I look at the pitching numbers for Jordan Montgomery, uh, I, a pitcher who I like, by the way, the lefty for the Yankees, he's not really all that impressive here early in the season. So I think it's um, a little bit more of a fading the Astros and betting on the team that's on the roll. You're not necessarily betting on the pitcher here in Jordan Montgomery. Well, speaking of those struggling good teams, uh, well, Double header yesterday for the Dodgers did not go well. We'll get to Los Angeles as they lose two more. Now 4-12 in their last 16 games. Exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the largest offer of in-play options. Betting River Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. My tone and cadence got a little weird there. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time play through Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Got to be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. You know, I know a guy who hangs out in the Bet Rivers Sportsbook every day. Danny Burke? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he lives there, right? I don't think they let him leave. Bet Rivers in Chicago, yeah, I'm pretty sure he lives in the sports book. Uh, he actually he's allowed never, to go home to his parents' house on the weekends. He actually never leaves that tight little camera shot that he's got. He's just always right there, <laughs> just standing. Uh, all right, so let's clean up a little bit in terms of Major League Baseball. We mentioned this going out. So last night and you know yesterday, in terms of the day, Dodgers had a doubleheader against the Chicago Cubs. It did not go well in both of them. First up, Dodgers uh, end up losing in a big way to the Chicago Cubs, 7-1 to one the final score here. Shocking result, twofold here, right? One, Clayton Kershaw, one inning is all he lasts, four one earned inning. runs, only struck out two, walked two. Could have been worse. It Did you watch it? Uh, no, I was watching some of the box score, but... He was lucky it was 4 nothing when the inning ended, 
Uh, it could have easily been six or seven zero. So I think the Dodgers did the right thing by cutting that outing. Some days you just don't have it, yep. right? Some days even you show up to host a show, you just don't have your A game. Mm. Clayton Kershaw showed up yesterday with his D minus game, and uh, he was lucky to not get beat up worse in the first inning. So the Dodgers got off to a really poor start right there in that doubleheader. Well, the other shocking part was Kyle Hendricks, who could not keep oh, the ball in wow. the park to save his life. Goes seven strong, only gives up seven hits, one earned run. It was a solo shot, so he did still, you know, the home run problem. I didn't know if that was up. Greg Maddox or Kyle Hendricks <laughs> yesterday. I mean, he was the control. Un- unbelievable how good he looked yesterday. And if you looked at all his numbers before that start, there's no way you would have bet on Kyle Hendricks. Not at all. Not worth it at all. So Cubs get that game. And then in the second leg of the doubleheader, they actually get a walk-off win 4-3 to three over the Los Angeles Dodgers. End up taking advantage of the Dodgers' bullpen yet again. And in the finals... Final few innings, played three runs in the closing frames to end up beating the Los Angeles Dodgers. So now we're talking about two and fourteen. Mm-hmm. No, excuse me, four and twelve. I got those mixed up. In the last sixteen games for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Matt Humans, and of course, back in action. What are we looking at with Los Angeles? How do we handle this at this point? Because as we talked about, the prices are still where they're at. This team still deserves respect from a power rating perspective. It still should be priced. Generally, where they're at right now, you get Walker Bueller tonight, so you're going to get another big price against Adbert Azale, who I think is a sneaky candidate to be a buy low pitcher. Mm-hmm. How do you handle Los Angeles Dodgers at this point? We don't. They're too hot to handle right now mm-hmm. uh, in terms of. Uh, Bad hot. This, uh, yeah, hot in a negative way in terms of they're, they're burning so your bankroll. How about that? They're so cold that you're there burning your hands. How about that? <laughs> they're burning your bankroll, that's for sure, if you're burning the Dodgers. Uh, I saw a lot of people complaining about the Dodgers on Twitter yesterday, so. I assume that was uh, losing betters who were whining. I'm so mad uh, I laid that massive price. Yeah, right now it's circa the Dodgers are minus 160. Mm-hmm. Uh, some spots in the market as high as 175 or 180. Walker Bueller's been pitching well, but we talked about this a couple days ago when he was scheduled to start, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like he's going especially deep. You can count on him to go deep in the games. He's not blowing people away. He's pitching well. I'm not going to knock his uh, numbers. But the Dodgers' bullpen's been so shaky, too. What are you going to do? Would you play Dodgers' first five if you're going to play it? Um, You're going to bet on Bueller and the Dodgers bounce back against uh, Adbert Alzale? I I guess that's the way some people will play it, but baseball's such a streaky game. You can't just bank on the Dodgers bouncing back. They're 4-12 over the last 16, and that means they have a problem. They have some problems right now, and they're playing poor baseball. Trevor Bauer started the second game yesterday. I wish I would have uh, – see, I watched Bauer start over the weekend, and I should have faded him yesterday. He threw 113 pitches in that game against the Brewers yeah. on Saturday, season high, and he looked like a guy who was tired when he started last night's game. He was lucky to work out of a couple jams. He was walking a tightrope. Uh, that was not uh, – that was a case of uh, – Trevor Bauer having like a C game last night too. So uh, there's not too many Dodgers who are really playing well uh, right now at this spot. I would stay away, actually. And I I don't want to advocate a bet on the Cubs here. But I'm definitely not playing the favorite. I'm I'm not going to play the Dodgers in any way, shape, or form here. Uh, When I mentioned to Edward Azalea, this sneaky resume for a potential buy-low pitcher, 471 ERA, but 353 expected fielding independent. Actually got some good swing and miss numbers. Strikeouts aren't there, but he's getting guys to swing and miss at a lot of his stuff, not giving up a ton of hard contact. So uh, something to look at from that perspective. Cubs are starting to wake up offensively, too. Cubs have had some guys, uh, especially Chris Bryant. Uh, start to hit a lot better. All right, I mentioned the team has been eliminated in the NBA, but worth betting on a regular basis. We'll tell you who that is when we come back here on Follow the Money. Mm-hmm.
sports bettors. Got a question for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Download the PointsBet app now. Sign up using promo code VSIN2K, like, you know, NBA 2K. You get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. When you bet with PointsBet, you get faster bets, faster withdrawals, faster rewards at your fingertips. Download the PointsBet app now to experience this premium sports book for yourself. So I ask you, are you ready? Terms and conditions apply. Void were prohibited. Got to be 21. Gambling problem. 1-800-GAMBLER is the number for crisis counseling and referral services. Everything's fast at PointsBet, right? Instant gratification generation, man. Life comes at you fast, and uh, right. if, even if you're LeBron James, before you know it, you might be in the play-in tournament. Yeah, well, that's what the Lakers are staring at right now. News of the day yesterday is Adrian Wojnarowski sends out the report. LeBron James is going to miss two more games here, it looks like, for the Los Angeles Lakers. Two very big games, too, by the way, as he tweaked his ankle the other night. But we're talking about the Thursday matchup with the Los Angeles Clippers, which in reality doesn't carry a lot of weight. It might mean a little bit more for the Clippers who are trying to win their way into potentially you know, a three-seed, two-seed, uh, which seems like the ship has sailed given their little three-game slump that they were in. Uh, but still alive for that. The Lakers, more importantly, though, will not have him and Dennis Schroeder, who's in medical protocol, for the game against the Portland Trailblazers on Friday, which opens up the door. Look at this schedule for the Los Angeles Lakers. They have, what, eight games left on the schedule at this point. The two-legged back-to-back against the Clippers and the Trailblazers Thursday and Friday. Now, you get a day off, get to take on the Phoenix Suns. You think they'll probably drop both of those games without LeBron? Clippers and Trailblazers? Yeah. Yeah, I think the Trailblazers game is much more winnable, obviously, because the Trailblazers are just awful on defense. Uh, But more than likely, they should. I would think they would lose those games, especially because the Portland Trailblazers game is on the road. Mm -hmm. And then you get back home Sunday to host the Suns, who still have a lot to fight for. The Knicks, who still have a lot to fight for because they have a very, we'll call it, weak control of the fourth seed at this point right now in the Eastern Conference. Then it lightens up, right? May 12th, second leg of a back-to-back. You get to play host to the Rockets. You finish up on the road with the Pacers and the Pelicans. Pelicans are punting, it looks like, at this point. They have an outside chance, but we'll see if they're actually in contention for that final play-in spot by the time we get to the final game of the season. But those next four games, especially Matt Eumann's, this is absolutely ridiculous in terms of what the, the Lakers have in front of them at this point. Without oh, LeBron yeah, James the next Dennis four Schroeder. against the Clippers, Blazers, Suns, and Knicks. And uh, we don't know if LeBron's going to play in any of those four games. We right. know he's out the first two against the Clips and the Trailblazers, but uh, the report from Adrian Wojnarowski is that LeBron's going to play this cautiously, and who knows how many games he's going to play before the playoffs. Obviously, he knows that he's got to try to be as close to 100% as uh, possible when the playoffs get here in a couple weeks. So, what's what's the start date for the NBA playoffs around May twentieth? Yeah, or? I think it's like four, four, three or four days after the regular season. And by the way, that's you still have the play-ins to play as well. So you're going to have that time too. Mm-hmm. So I have to look at the schedule, see when it officially starts. But you would think he's going to be ready for the play-ins at the very least if they're there. And for well, sure the if I bet round. you, if if I said right now you have to bet on this prop, will the Lakers be in the play-in tournament? And uh, I would put. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes minus uh, 120. How would you bet it? Mm. My initial thought is no. Yeah, I'll go no. You don't think they'll be in the playing? I, I, those last three. We games, don't know how many games LeBron's gonna play here. Correct. And now, and I am uh, assuming I'm I'm buying into the timeline. My thinking is I'll buy into the timeline that the two games aren't gonna be played because you don't have room to be cautious at this point. So if he's like any sort of ready, like against Phoenix, for example, mm-hmm. you would think he'd be on the court. And then I look at the last three games, Rockets, Pacers, Pelicans. Those are all very winnable games, and if LeBron's on the floor, they'll be very solid favorites. That Those last three games are really going to help, I think, in that regard. So That's true. My, my, my thought would be I would bet the no, especially if I'm getting like a plus price 
even money, I'm in. Give me no. The market down when they lose all these games. At my book, uh, Lakers are minus 120, I said. Yeah. Make it to the plan. Yeah. And uh, I'll give you even money. All right, cool. All right. Well, that, that game against the Blazers is a big one, right? Because the Blazers probably jump the Lakers in the West standings if they win that game. Yeah, Lakers. On right, Friday, yeah, right? Lakers right now have a game one lead. game lead. Yep, okay. over and the, the Lakers are probably going to lose to the Clippers Thursday night. You would think so. Clippers have turned in some duds, but they looked a little bit better closing out the Raptors. And I wouldn't read too much. The Raptors are kind of complete now, and they're playing a little bit better. We watched what, wait, like we talked about on Monday, the Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry. Both dropping thirty point double doubles, mm-hmm. so this team is still playing at the string and fighting pretty tough. So, and the Blazers also eleven point favorites at Cleveland tonight. Yes, well, yeah. again, you got to play some sort of defense if you want to cover some of those numbers. <laughs> uh, and really quickly, just to put this in perspective, and we'll get to another team that we we're talking about. You know, because I bring this up all the time. You know, Anthony Davis by himself, <clears throat> and remember, this is a key here because when we had that stupid conversation about LeBron James, you know, not being the MVP of his team. People forgot that Dennis Schroeder was also not on the floor for those games. Another shot creator, another valve offensively for this team. In the minutes this year, and they're very limited, with just Anthony Davis on the floor, without Dennis Schroeder, without LeBron James, the Los Angeles Lakers get outscored by 9.7 points every 100 possessions. Their offensive rating is 104.9. Those are really, really bad numbers. So again, it's only about a 200 possession sample size, super small, but it gives you an idea of what the Lakers are working with without those two what Anthony Davis has on his shoulders when they take on the Clippers. So with that, I mentioned this, humans. I want to bring this up because this has been really worth tracking over the last few days because we get to this point of the season and a lot of these teams are pretty much punted, right? You know, you're either tanking uh, or you're just kind of in this weird nexus where you're just going to start playing guys. You're trying to improve whatever's going on with your draft capital. That's why, by the way, I like to play in. You have so many fewer teams that are doing it. Right. This complaint about, it's funny, people complain about tanking or also complaining about the play in. So I just Mm -hmm. don't know what you want at this point. But regardless, one of these teams that has been vocal about their want to win, that has gotten healthier and has a key player back on the floor that has changed things, and it has led to a pretty good run here against the spread, the Minnesota Timberwolves, for me, have been a team that I have been on pretty frequently down the stretch here because they are a team that has put things together pretty well. And and D'Angelo Russell's presence has really changed a lot of things for this team offensively. If you look at what they've done over the last few games – Took four with them against New Orleans. Ended up being a push. They lost that game in overtime. Prior to that, they had covered four straight, and they had covered six out of eight. This team has started to come together a little bit more, and you look at some of the numbers with D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns on the floor together. This is one of the better offenses in the NBA at this point, Matt Humans. Offensive rating when these two are on the floor together of about 118, according to Cleaning the Glass. Defense still needs some work, but they're better, and they're putting in effort, which is really big for a team like this at this point right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 117.9, the offensive efficiency with these guys. This is a team that I think is worth playing, again, just down the stretch. When you find these matchups, opened up four and a half. It's already sitting at four right now at home. Uh, again, find myself on Minnesota. Well, I think it's a good observation by you, too. And I, obviously, this is why you make midseason coaching changes. Yeah. The T-Wolves, have, uh, they look like a different team uh, since the coaching change. Now it's starting to really take effect, right? It takes a while uh, for the new coach to kind of implement a system and get guys to buy in. I and the T-Wolves have a lot of exciting young players. they got a lot of young talent. And if you get these guys to play hard on a nightly basis, that's going to be a bet-on team down the stretch. And the, the T-Wolves are 6-4 and four in their past 10, so obviously uh, playing much better lately. And by the way, Memphis is not going to have Jaron Jackson Jr. tonight. It is rest day, so he'll be back tomorrow because it is the first leg of a back-to-back. All right, we'll come back. We have plenty left to get to. Remember, a lot of golf coverage. Wells Fargo Championship coming up. Still got Philo Sell High Pitchers to get to. It's Follow the Money here on Simple.
the Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for the guys. Join the action on DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Just download the app, use promo code VSIN when you sign up. Beat for cash prizes each week. Don't wait. Sign up now. New customers get a deposit bonus of $500. That's code VSIN when you sign up. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Got to be 18 years or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See www.draftkings.com. Details. you think anybody puts www.anything anymore at this point? You just did. Well, yeah. I have to by law. You read that off the script. Ron Burgundy did. Very archaic way to search for websites. Major League Baseball, Matt Humans. All right, I got three pitchers for you today. Buy low, sell high. Now, okay, the one stri- how yesterday's uh, feature work out? By the way, so there were some. That's very fair. We should bring that up really quickly. There were some that worked out for the most part, right? Like we we talked about the um, the Chicago White Sox, for example, able to have success relatively early against the Cincinnati Reds. They played in nine runs themselves mm-hmm. and were able to get a really solid win. Uh, Hoffman in that game, one of our sell high guys. Worked out perfectly. Two and a third, five hits, four earned runs. Only struck out four. Gave up a deep ball as well. Uh, but Dylan Cease was also in that game. Cease actually performed extremely well. Six innings pitched. Yeah. Only gave up one hit. Struck out 11. Did walk three. So the command issues that we saw in the numbers were out there. But he did not pay for it whatsoever. So that was one of the more successful angles. And actually the only one in terms of a play uh, that we had made in that one. Other games, for example, I think if you looked at Nick Pavetta, who we talked about yesterday, uh, I would say that relatively solid. You tell me. Pavetta was one of our sell-high guys. Went five innings, gave up three earned runs, uh, walked two guys, eight strikeouts overall. Again, over five innings and 100 pitches. An average outing for the most part for Nick Pavetta. You saw some of the issues that we brought up yesterday, but ultimately did not lead, lead to the downfall of the Red Sox. Did lead to a high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. It was an 11-7 to final between those two, uh, but Pavetta was also on that list. And um, Oh, last one that we have to discuss. Jay Happ. Jay Happ is still going to be a guy that I think is going to be on this list going forward. Uh, but we didn't really have a lot to get to on Hap because we were up sure. against it. But he was one of the sell-high guys. He went five in the third, four hits, one earned run, three strikeouts. So a really solid outing for Hap. So the regression did not come there. But the Twins did lose to the Texas Rangers uh, because Gibson did a relatively solid job over eight innings. Bullpen did their job. Twins bullpen did not. So. Gibson, uh, Kyle Gibson for the Rangers, I think, has been a little bit better than uh, some people expected. Yes, uh, absolutely. To go eight innings and only give yeah. up three like that is a really solid outing for him. So, Well, he's the ace of that Texas staff, and a lot of people were joking about that. I might have even made a joke about that before the season, but he's actually been relatively solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do have three pitchers today. Uh, we have a buy low, first buy low that we have seen in our three days on the show. Okay, uh, let's yeah. get to it. Let's get to it. So I think this is really interesting. Sonny Gray, Cincinnati. Difference between Sonny Gray's ERA and his expected fielding independent. His ERA, 2.75 points higher than his expected fielding independent. 593 on the ERA, 13 and two-thirds for Sonny Gray. 320 on his XFIP at this point right now. Now, there's a lot of worrisome things about Sonny Gray. You see the positive numbers there. We'll point out that the command has not been great. Walk rate's relatively high. Walking about 5.3 guys every nine innings. 12.5% in terms of the walk rate there. But there's a lot to like about Sonny Gray at this point right now. Right? We mentioned the massive difference between his ERA and his expected fielding independent. The strikeout numbers are there. 15 strikeouts every nine innings. Here's where I think you get into the territory of why like, there's some positive regression coming for him. First off, batting average on balls in play, 433. That's insanely high. Bad luck. Yeah, right. Really bad luck. So you're talking about 
43% of the time, when a ball is batted into play, that is going to be a guy reaching base. That's pretty bad luck, especially when you look at some of the numbers, right? He's not giving up that much hard hit, you know, in terms of hard hit rate, not giving up that much. Mm-hmm. Swinging strike rate, he's generating them, as you can see, by not only the strikeout numbers, but the swinging strike rate there. So I love the strikeouts per nine. Right. 15 yeah. strikeouts per nine, great rate. Yeah. So, like, you're looking at all of this, and you realize that, you know what, like, there is some positive regression coming here for Sonny Gray. And the other factor that is pretty interesting, Sonny Gray throughout his career has been a guy who induces ground balls pitches to contact, gets his dudes involved. This year, his fly ball, for his career, he's got a 1.8, we'll call it 1.9, ground ball to fly ball ratio. This year, it's 0.92. So you expect the way he pitches, the balls are going to start to come down a little bit more. We've seen it throughout his entire career, and there might be some positive regression here for Sonny Gray. So I think that's a really tempting side there. You look at Gray right now, and the other flip side of it too, by the way, is the fact that Dallas Keuchel's on the hill on the other side, and that Keuchel has really been, we'll call it mediocre for the most part, uh, ERA over 4.6, expected fielding independent, not, not much farther off, not inducing swings and misses, not striking guys out. So there is a case to be made to play here against Dallas Keuchel. Should note, though, market is moving against Sonny Gray here a little bit. Opened up a $1.30 favorite. We're talking about minus 134 some spots. Westgate's minus 132. So you're still f- hovering around that price right now. But I think Sonny Gray's definitely got a great candidate. Is a great candidate to buy low on I, here. I'm going to buy into that. I, I like that. You made a convincing case. It's a great graphic you put together there. And, uh, I made it myself. It was nice of Sonny Gray to pose for the photo for us as well. Yeah. Right now at Circus Sports, Reds minus 128. I think that's a reasonable price. Look at that, look at that smile, huh? That's a winner right there. You know, that guy's regressing to the mean. I, part of that matchup you have to like, too, is that I think uh, Dallas Keuchel might be a sell-high guy on the other side. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think he's a sell-high just because of his team that he is on. The White Sox generate you know respect on a night-to-night basis. Um, White but, Sox are without two big bats, too. Yep. Don't forget about it. Obviously, one for a long time now. Uh, but Luis Robert is out as well, so... Uh, Two of the White Sox better offense players are going to be sidelined for a while. There's also a strong case to be made that they're not the best managed team either at this point, too. You it's don't like Tony? I think the game might have passed him by. Think he's old school? I think he might be. He's way too old school for you. Oh, that's, for, uh, that's for sure. I, I do have some slight ageism <laughs> <laughs> that affects me at some points. All right, now, two more pitchers. Both of these guys sell high. Let's talk. Uh, we, we mentioned it in passing, so let's get to some of the numbers. Uh, a guy like Luis Garcia, right? Now, I will admit fully that going through some of the numbers, because, you know, personally, you know, there's a lot of the times where you get some of these guys where you see the delta or the difference between the ERA and their XFIP, and that screams that there is some regression coming. But then you pour through some of the numbers, and I'm like, well, I just don't know where the case is for the most part, but I felt like this is still worth bringing up, right? Because the market has moved in the Yankees' direction. So, difference between Luis Garcia uh, and the difference between the ERA and the XFIP. And just to let you know, when you see the negative, that means the ERA is lower than the expected fielding independent. When you see the positive, that means the ERA is higher than the expected fielding independent. But if you look at Luis Garcia, Newman's 270 on the ERA, XFIP is 487. So, a pretty big difference there 2.2 points essentially, about 2.1. He's a guy who is walking quite a few guys. Walk rate's a little high, over three walks. It's not that bad. He's got seven walks over 20 innings. Right, so it's not that bad. The thing that stuck out to me with him was this. So the strikeout numbers are perfectly average. It's the command, which again, is not terrible, but he's stranding 90% of the guys that he leaves on base. I think Mm -hmm. that's something that's relatively unsustainable. Batting average on balls in place, relatively low, and the batting average against is really solid. The hard hit rate, kind of up there, but not really, and so this is why I say, like, at least with a guy like Garcia... He fits the parameters for me for like a sell-high guy. Mm -hmm. But when I look at the numbers, I feel like I'm kind of stretching to make a case to kind of play against him. 
The only reason I included them was the Delta and the fact that the market is moving against him here. So it's something to watch. Well, I think the market's also just moving on the Yankees. Correct. Uh, it's not necessarily moving against Luis Garcia, but uh, the one thing I will say about this, I think the sample size is a little bit too small. It's 20 innings. Yep. Uh, 20 innings is not much at all to work with. He's got a 1.05 whip. I don't see too many negatives, but with a guy like this, I just need to see more innings. I need right. to see more of a body of work. and I, I don't know what to expect with uh, from Luis Garcia against the Yankees, but I know that a lot of people are going to want to want to bet. <laughs> excuse me, want to bet the Yankees right now because they're ten and four over the past fourteen games and they're hot. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's where the market's moving that way. And that's why. And I brought this up to you. You know, you, we've talked about this on my guys in the desert, and I say this fully every single year. Where I I like the numbers in terms of using them in baseball quite a bit when it comes to my handicapping. That early on it is tough. I mean, look, we're talking about Sunny Gray. Sunny Gray sample size is only about twenty innings. A lot of these guys mm-hmm. are still sitting only about twenty innings. There was I can't remember off the top of my head. There was one pitcher today that had like a like almost a four run difference between the ERA and the XFIP, but he only had pitched like five innings. So like you can't use something like that yeah. to actually handicap. So again, I thought this was interesting because there is that difference. It's worth looking at, but didn't see anything convincing enough in those numbers to make me want to jump on it now. I think I have seen something potentially here in this next one because Robbie Ray is on this list. And you and I, back a few years ago, we would talk about Robbie Ray was awesome. He's the Diamondbacks, super good in terms of his strikeout numbers, absolutely fantastic. Sure. He was one of those guys that still had command issues but balanced it out with a really high strikeout rate. This is the problem, though, with Robbie Ray. The command issues are still there, but the strikeouts are dipping. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that when you have a guy like this. So you see the difference between his ERA and expected fielding independent, 278 on the ERA. 435 on the XFIP at this point right now. And this is what you mean in terms of the strikeout numbers, right? The K rate, 21.7%, 7.9 strikeouts every nine innings. This is a guy who, in his career, for five consecutive seasons, had at least averaged 11 strikeouts per nine innings. So that's a massive dip there for Robbie Ray. But he was also facing, I think, softer, uh, weaker lineups in the National League. Yeah, okay. Your, your strikeout rate's going to go down. It should when you're in the American League, right? Because you face stronger lineups one through nine. And a lot of times in these National League lineups, the guys six, seven, eight, nine can't hit. Mm-hmm. And you also have the pitchers you're going to deal with, right? So in your strikeout, wouldn't you expect the strikeout rate to be higher when you're a National League starter? I think that would be fair. So the question I think would be a four strikeout difference, right? Because no, that's, a, a, that's a big difference. Yeah. Not that much of a difference, but still. Yeah, you're. I just think that uh, your strikeout numbers, you have to expect a little bit of a dip when you go to the American League like this. I like that you brought Robbie Ray up here because I was trying to find an angle to play this game last night, and Mm -hmm. I I really couldn't because Chris Bassett is on the other side. And even though he's got six starts and all six are quality starts, he's got a 1.28 whip, and he really hasn't been that good to start the season, so I don't I don't really want to buy on either of these uh, pitchers right now. Yeah, and which could lead potentially to right like an overplay, for example, uh, if you have two guys that are potential sell high pitchers, like we talked about uh, with Cincinnati and um, and uh, Chicago yesterday. I'm trying to look and see what the updated price here Toronto between these two. Yeah, minus one thirty. Now you're looking at Oakland plus one minus one twenty five. Actually, minus one nineteen. So Toronto's getting some support here. Maybe anti-Bassett sentiment, but mm-hmm. really curious to see this because one of the other factors really quickly that struck out to me is the command issues, lack of strikeouts. Him too, though. Strand rate of like 94%. Like when you're giving up free runners like that, but you're still leaving them on base, at some point you're going to pay for those yeah. free runs.
So we'll see it for Robbie Ray. But out of all of these, I think when you're looking at them, it'd be very interesting to see our first guy and how he's going to perform. And that, of course, would be Sonny Gray in a buy-low spot. All right, second hour on the way. We have a lot left to get to on this program. We still have these rookie rushing props, actually just rookie props in general, in the National Football League. A lot of golf handicapping as well here on Follow the Money.